Hello, and welcome to episode seven of Green Signals, your railway podcast from me, Nigel Harris in Lincolnshire, and... And me, uh, a slightly croaky Richard Bowker here in Derbyshire. I'm sure you'll hold up for the episode, Richard. I'll do my best. <laughs> Absolutely, I know you will. I'm sure you'll be on top form. Seven episodes, they're flashing past now, aren't they? Anyway, on the show today, we've got your reactions to last week's episode with our special guest, Professor Andrew McNaughton, and feedback and comments prompted by Richard and I's appearance at the Transport Select Committee, which was an interesting exercise. The Green Signal's view about the appearance of Mark Harper, Secretary of State for Transport, at the TSC a week or so later on Wednesday 15th is also featured. Spoiler, we aren't flattering about him. And that's before we get to our very special guest, the Lord Hendy of Richmond Hill of Imber in the county of Wiltshire, better known on the railway as Network Rail Chair Sir Peter Hendy CBE, to talk specifically about the Rail 200 venture he's leading for 2025 to properly celebrate the 200th anniversary of the opening of the Stockton and Darlington Railway on September the 27th. 1825. The SDR was the world's first public railway to use steam locomotives and is therefore ground zero for every railway in the world. And let's remember the SDR put an end to the world's longest lasting speed limit which restricted mankind's development, that of a galloping horse. This is a packed show, so let's get straight on to reaction for last week's show about HS2 at the Transport Select Committee with Prof Andrew McNaughton. Firstly, thanks so much for all your wonderful comments, and they're also very often quite witty and ironic (laughs) too, which which we like, so keep it coming. Jim Maggs, for example, said, wow, Andrew was superb. His knowledge is incredible of all aspects of this project. I was really impressed by this discussion. So are we. Andrew's always very impressive. James Taylor, no, not that one, please swears I don't think it is, said, Sunak, Harper and Merriman, that sounds like it should be on a brass plate somewhere, doesn't it? Sunak, Harper and Merriman should be put in a locked room <laughs> and made to watch episode six of the Green Signals podcast over and over again until common sense hits home. Well, I like the sound of that one, Richard. Do you think it would? Oh, no, moving swiftly on. Yeah. Indeed. And Electric Eagle, Alec Lemus, said, Dear Nigel, Richard and Steph, please include a health warning for the Green Signals episode with Andrew McNaughton as the rage induced as Mr McNaughton laid out the staggering stupidity of cancelling HS2 Phase 2A is severe. Yep, Alex. It has the um, it had the same impact on us too, though. So thanks for all those comments. There were many, many more. I mean, Andrew was just superb, wasn't he, Richard? He was great. He's he's so calm, you know, so sort of measured. Um, even though I think we were probably all doing <laughs> this, but no, he was he was absolutely superb. Good value. He will definitely be treading these corridors again before too long, hopefully. Now, we recorded the show with Andrew off the back of the appearance by Richard and me at the TSC, which was quite an experience. Richard's done it loads of times. I've done three of them. But they are quite intensive, requiring laser-focused concentration. Over on this occasion, the two hours or so we were being grilled 
by MPs. You agree, Richard? Yeah, and I mean, I've done a few, but uh, you'd never, ever take them lightly. Um, I, I, Ian, I thought Ian Stewart, who uh, is the chair of the committee, um, chaired it really well. I thought we got, on balance, a very good hearing, even though a couple of the questions uh, from members were, well, they really started with the answer and then developed the question as they went, didn't they, really, sir? Yeah, they did, and it always feels very contrived when mm. that happens, doesn't it? Quite apart from the fact it just comes across. I don't th- it's just ridiculous. Anyway, let's move on. But then Mark Harper appeared on Wednesday with the committee armed with information they'd mined from our session, of course, which is why we were there, for a quite lengthy interrogation of the Secretary of State, not all about HS2, of course. And I find myself thinking that Electric Eagle's health warning was probably applicable to the Secretary of State as well. I certainly found his answers infuriating and at best misleading Um, I shall resist the temptation to say too much as I know Richard has some characteristically pithy that's the word of the podcast by the way (laughs) sometimes you're erudite but today you're pithy characteristically pithy views which you have to say carefully of course you were pretty irritated too Richard weren't you yeah I was I was irritated, really. I, I mean, his big point was in disagreeing with our strong and, and we think, evidenced argument. And not just us, by the way. This is, you know, no. lots of other people have got the same view. Um, the HS2 phase 2A, so the bit from Birmingham to Crewe in particular, um, is is not required because, incredibly, I felt, we felt, in in his view, that's Secretary of State, there is no current or even foreseeable capacity problem. Um, I see no ships. I see no ships. And and actually, when Ian Stewart, the committee chair, pressed him on on the fact that the West Coast main line north of Hansacre Junction is either full or, or very nearly full, um, the Secretary of State said this, and I'm quoting him. He said, the first point is we, i.e. government DFT, we don't agree with the contention about the current balance between demand and supply, the contention being from us that it's running out of supply and clearly doesn't agree with that. And then he says, in making the decision we did to deliver phase one, we did look very carefully at the demand forecasts and there's no objective magic way of understanding what they look like. And I thought, wow, the Secretary of State for Transport, has he just said that there's no sort of established methodology for forecasting demand. I mean, no wonder his sort of civil servants were sort of sat there, I felt, looking a little bit, I don't know, sheepish. I don't know what's the word. Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. No, that, they did look a bit uncomfortable at that. Um, but but then he went on to say this, and it and it's a bit long. I'm sorry this quote's a bit long, but it's it's worth uh, hearing what he said. Um, and I've, I've just taken a bit couple of bits out, but I haven't changed the emphasis or the meaning or anything. So it's just because just it was quite a lot. He said, if you look at the demand growth on the West Coast mainline pre-pandemic, it was sort of broadly a straight line. So a reasonable assumption would be that that would continue. The problem with the pandemic, there was a massive discontinuity, of course, as we drove people away from rail. And then he, he talks about lockdowns and concerns around health. And that, you know, that all kind of made sense. Um, and it hasn't rebounded as fast as we would hope. And if you try and project 10, 20, 30 years, there's a debate to be had about how fast the demand's going to come back. And different people have different views. And we looked 
extensively at modeling and assumptions about demand. There's no objective answer, and there's a huge difference between the assumptions of demand growth about when you hit capacity. So basically saying, we just don't agree that we're going to run out. Um, I think his choice of words at the beginning of his evidence was critical. He said, the first point is that we don't agree with a contention about the, the current balance between demand and supply. And I, I actually think, Nigel, he's fallen for this nonsense that because demand yes. is suppressed at the moment, it's rebased things forever and it's going to stay like this forever. Yeah. And, and if he thinks that, honestly, he's dreaming. When the cork is finally unplugged from the bottle, growth will return. And he would do big time. He, well, he would do well to remember that between 96, 97 and 2018, 19, Demand on Virgin West Coast tripled. I mean, it went up 200%. So from today, he's only got to go up 30% and he's back to where yeah. it was pre-pandemic. I think he also fails to understand how railway capacity works. Okay, So it's a function of two things. It's trains per hour and then seats per train. Okay, um, Now, he's royally stuffed seats per train by uh, cancelling phase 2B Manchester Piccadilly will not get its 400 meter long platforms. So the trains will be constrained to 200 meters long. I think actually there's a serious possibility you might actually have slightly fewer seats on the fast service from Manchester to London than he's got at the moment, right? And I'm sure somebody can work that out. But when you look at trains per hour or slots, if you like, they are constrained by different things. So they're constrained by differential speed. The fact freight trains go a lot slower than intercity trains it can um there's service patterns and stopping patterns there's junction layout and that's a physical constraint and then there's the signaling system which obviously controls the gaps between the trains they're the big ones they're four big ones but they are really serious things he didn't mention freight hardly at, at all. all hardly at all right and the real issue is that we know it's a slightly softened market at the moment is a little bit kind of cyc cyclical when that comes back, and it will come back, it'll come storming back, and then we'll very quickly run out of uh, capacity. But the good news, there is some good news. He said, Thank goodness. I have to say to my slight surprise, but he said nonetheless, he and his officials looked extensively at modelling and assumptions about demand, making the decision to cancel phase two. That's pretty impressive in the apparently very limited time they had. Um, but it does exist. That's good. So... I shall be writing to the Secretary of State, uh, asking him to share those assumptions and that modelling so that we can have a good look at that. Um, we keep an open mind. Um, we do. We always keep always. an open mind, <laughs> absolutely. But And we'll see if those assumptions um, hold water. Right, a couple of just quick comments on that. The freight thing, the rail freight group, um, Maggie Simpson did some brilliant analysis. And you're right, intermodal traffic is is subdued at the moment and will come back. Uh, and over that really busy, um, well, we think it's busy, he doesn't, section north of Hansacre, um, I think Maggie said there's maybe one or two paths could be got back. But they're going to be very quickly filled. As soon as intermodal starts to recover, gone, and there's no capacity for anything then. Um, and I think you should write, not least because in the select committee, I think you were named 
um, around some of this evidence. So you've got every right to, to write and ask him and say, well, show us your numbers and let us have a, a look and confirm what you think, Secretary of State. If he doesn't want to do that, then we can draw our own conclusions. Indeed. The bit, the bit where he referenced, where um, my evidence was referenced, was when the <clears> chair <throat> of the committee, again, Ian Stewart, said, well, that's, you know, that's all very interesting. But he pressed him on the, the section north of Hansacre and said, you know, um, when Richard Bowker told us that, that when they yeah. last looked at the West Coast route modernization, obviously 20 years or so ago, one of the things we looked at was a, was a Stafford bypass or a Stafford cutoff, um, uh, which is ironically pretty much what phase 2A, 2A is. is. So, yeah, I, I, we, we will write and we'll we'll see what comes back. And um, I think the, the interesting thing is, Nigel, um, they've... I think they think they've kind of made a decision and now we can all sort of move on. Um, and, and whilst we don't want to get, you know, overly bogged down by this, um, there was clearly some analysis done and it's not unreasonable that we all see what that was. Absolutely. Um, just picking up a point you made there, one of the many things I found irritating about, about Mr Harper's appearance was his entire demeanour was just as you implied then. The government believes that the widespread criticisms of their mad decisions to scrap HS2 North, we've answered them, we'll move on now. Well, no, we're not going to move on now. A line has not been effectively drawn under that argument until such time as you've seen that data. And we will be coming back to this, won't we? We will. He, I mean, For those who haven't watched his evidence... He was very courteous. He did. He did at least acknowledge that there are differences of opinions, um, and we agree with that. The only thing is that we think our opinion has got evidence to back it up. <laughs> I was reminded of um, of one of my bosses long ago at EMAP when I started in the early nineties, chap called Richard Hopkins, who had a habit to say, and he said this to me various on various occasions when we were having disputes about paper quality or pagination. You know, don't confuse me with a fax, Nigel. My mind's made up. And <laughs> it was a bit like that. Anyway, moving on, moving on. Trouble in the rolling stock sector, Richard. News reached us in the last week that Alstom, owner of the former British Royal Litchurch Lane Carriage Works in Derby, now a train building factory, is going to start the process of winding down train building in the city. Not for the first time this threat's come from Litchurch Lane. Um, the unions blamed it on HS2. The Prime Minister said it wasn't HS2. Um, I guess it doesn't really matter at one level. It's not good news. But has the, the unions and the Prime Minister got a point, Richard? Sure, there hasn't been enough time for the contract to be varied as yet to say there's going to be fewer trains built. Um, I don't honestly know uh, the detail, but I do know that kind of this, this storm has been brewing for um, a number of years. I mean, I don't, no, if I, I don't have any evidence of a sort of a coherent rolling stock strategy, you could argue it's a it, it was set up for the private sector to meet the demand. And the Roscoe's, the rolling stock leasing companies, you know, have done a, a good job, in fairness, of investing in new trains. I mean, the amount of capital um, which otherwise would have had to be funded out of uh, off the public sector balance sheet uh, that's been invested in new trains. I mean, we're talking billions and billions of pounds. But but the reality is over the last few years, of course, the government's become the customer um, through the um, through the concessions as they are now, and so we're in a completely different 
world. And it's not unreasonable for the supply chain, and it's not just trains, but the whole supply chain to say, look, could you be very clear about what's coming down the line? Um, if you'll if you'll excuse the pun. I mean, the average age of rolling stock of trains in the UK, I think is something like 16, 17 years at yeah, the moment. It and it moves, you know, over time. But if you think that trains are designed for a sort of a 30 to 35 year life, that means that where we are today is just basically the, the average point. You know, it's the medium point. Where we should be. Where we should be, right. And if you stop and you don't have a coherent plan, um, then it's gonna, only going to get worse. So it's not unreasonable to say, can you give us a, a, a forward view? I think the problem for Derby might be, you know, it's a, it's a bit too late. But, I mean, that we need to do some more research into that. Well, we have seen major issues, haven't we, with the Arterio trains for yeah. South Western, also Alstom. The TPE Nova 3 trains being taken out of service that are virtually brand new, albeit there have been some serious concerns around build quality from CAF. Class 175 trains coming off lease. HSTs, which were admittedly getting a bit long in the tooth, being withdrawn from cross-country, leaving only voyagers, much shorter trains, to shoulder the burden. But hey, why do civil servants care? And with all sorts of stories of overcrowding as a direct result. And yet, we've got the dear old sprinters, the BR second generation DMUs, continuing to do sterling service, having been introduced as long ago as 1984. Now Hitachi, a warning of potentially up to 10,000 job losses in the UK rail vehicle supply sector, whilst at the same time, Rail Minister Hugh Merriman is reported as saying the sector has something like double the capacity it needs. Well, you don't need to be a genius to work out where that's going, do you? feels like a, a Green Signals investigation coming on. Yeah, it does. Um, it's always been a really curious sector, the rolling stock, the train sort of manufacturing sector. I know from my own procurement days, buying Northern Line tube trains and then Voyagers and Pendolinos, um, that it's it's very political. I mean, it really is very political. Um, but it's not just about trains. It is about jobs and it's about regional economics. It's also very high profile. I mean, don't forget, it's slightly, it's slightly embarrassing for someone, at least, that Derby, which is the location of where we're talking about this factory, is also the location the government had just chosen for the headquarters of Great British Railways. Um, now, you know, whether you read too much into that, I don't know, but it's certainly jolly unfortunate timing. So government have once again got another um, problem to to cope with. I, I, a lot of this could be resolved, or certainly a long way to being resolved, with a coherent long-term rolling stock strategy probably linked to a very coherent rolling program of electrification. So I think it's something that we should look at and hopefully get a few people on who can help us understand it. Well, it's just more examples of a lack of any long-term clear thinking for the the industry as a whole, which is, of course, a system of signals and track and trains and Indeed. people, and it's just not being considered in in that uh, in that way. So, complete change of tack now. Our guest this week is the Lord Hendy of Richmond Hill of Imber, in the county of Wiltshire, better known as Peter Hendy, who's the chair of Network Rail and a public transport career professional, firstly in buses and then railways. Here's what may be two relatively little-known facts about Peter. One, he was once a London bus driver and now owns, I think, two classic London Routemaster buses. <laughs> and two, Peter's always been a very active and knowledgeable railway fan. And how about this? 
He was actually a fair-paying passenger on the legendary 15-guinea special in August 1968, which was BR's last official steam train from Liverpool to Carlisle and back. I bet you've still got the ticket too, Peter. I have. It's framed, uh, actually, it's in this office on the wall. Signed by every one of the drivers, firemen and guards on those. Wow. (laughs) So definitely a time serve paid up gricer in every respect. Yeah, guilty. Guilty. Anyway, just like the rest of us, yeah. Peter, even Richards admitted recently to a bit of an interest in steam. Oh, guilty been as posting Pictures on Twitter of him and Polish steam engines. So you see, there we are. Anyway, look, welcome, Peter, who you are also chair of Rail 200. Yeah, and I suppose we should start, um, Peter, by, by, by just explaining what this particular event is. I mean, what is it that we're celebrating 200 years of, I guess? So... Um, yes, so so Railway 200 is to celebrate uh, the first public passenger uh, train uh, uh, journey in on the Stockton and Darlington Railway in uh, 1825. And you can have a bit of a discussion about what the first uh, journey on a public railway was and the first passenger journey, but actually the... The historical importance is that a number of strands came together on the Stockton and Darlington Railway in September 1825, and it represented the, really the first, the first, the first railway in, in of, of the of the type that changed the world. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, yes, it does. It brought together um, public passenger and, and the use of steam, didn't it? Yeah. Um, and I, I thought that was particularly interesting. One of those little historical quirks that uh, Stevenson actually heard that Edward Pease was going to build an eight-mile line from Stockton to Darlington and intended to use horses. And I would have loved to have seen the letter where Stevenson told him that a steam engine could pull 50 times as much as a horse on iron rails. And Pease naturally did the right thing and let Stevenson equip the line. So, yes, it, it brought all those things together. But the rail industry, we've just mentioned the 15-guinea special, Peter. Yeah. Very good at milestone celebrations. Liverpool and Manchester in 1980. Um, the S&D 125th anniversary in 1975 up at Shildon, which BR did. Um, so was it that the sort of motivation to just do that again? Or have you got have you got more in mind that you want Rail 200 to achieve rather than just a, a sort of single big event? Oh, well, yes, absolutely. So, so one of my jobs, one of my principal jobs as the chair of Network Rail is to go around and talk about what the modern railway is for not what it does but what it's for and what it's for is that connectivity it creates connectivity makes connectivity better and that creates economic growth jobs housing social cohesion uh, and sustainability um and and if you look in a historical perspective the first public steam passenger journey on, on the stockton and darlington railway literally changed the world and it changed the world because those things that i mentioned that the modern railway does uh it did in 1825 and beyond and and what i think is that there's one element of this of course which is to celebrate the particular uh uh uh, anniversary for stockton and darlington we'll come on to how we do it but there's a much wider celebration which is the place of the railway in our modern world and it's not just about history it's about the present and very much about the future. Um, and, and, and I think particularly given all the uncertainty in the railway industry at the moment, 
that a nationwide year-long celebration about what the railway has done, is doing and can do for the country is, well, frankly, it's just a bloody good thing to do, isn't it? Now, also, uh, we can have some fun. Uh, and I'm in favour of having fun, uh, as we did with the 150th anniversary of the Tube uh, when I was at TFL. And this ought to be the occasion for uh, a bit of fun around the nation. Um, but there is, as I've said, there's a serious point to it. The railway has created our modern world. And in fact, it's the reason why so many people talk so much about railway investment, because in, innately people know that if you get better railway connection, you get growth and jobs and housing and social cohesion and, 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 and sustainability. Um, so let's celebrate it. And well, you just put your finger on it, um, Peter, didn't you? You didn't say the railway influenced the modern world. The railway created the modern yeah. world. It made us what we are. Absolutely, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I don't, I don't ever talk much about my academic career because I'm not sure I, I, I work terribly hard, but, but I did do economic geography, and if you look at Britain, the, the economic geography of Britain, as indeed in, in, in every country in the world which has railways, it, it, it is, it is about the history of the railway. You know, towns that got a railway th thrived, towns that didn't, didn't thrive. You know that. Um, you can find examples all over Britain of places on stagecoach routes which didn't want or didn't get a railway and, and, and withered. And you can find other places which did get a railway. And indeed, of course, the railway created towns, didn't it? Swindon wasn't a place at all. It wasn't much of a place um, until uh, Brunel decided that he'd put the Great Western Railway there. So, and, and, and that you can take round the whole of the country it's not just about Stockton and Darlington. It, it, and, and, you know, every town and city in Britain that, that has got or used to have a railway will have, will have something to say about its, its railway history and the influence of the railway on, on, on how it developed. You know, I, you, I don't know whether you both know, but I, my, uh, my father's a Cornishman. You know, the Great Western Railway made Cornwall by being the way in which you transported uh, spring vegetables and flowers to the rest of Britain, you know, uh, and, and so, so with coal and steel and iron and all that, you know. One of the things I know you are very passionate about, Peter, are, are people, you know, uh, railway people. And one of the things that's pretty clear from the Rail 200 plans is inspiring another generation of people to join the industry and be part of the industry but also i saw some fantastic stuff about stem uh, and how important that is in terms of schools and education so this feels very much like um a, a people oriented celebration and about inspiring the next generation is that is is that really at the heart of this as well absolutely richard so so I mean, I think I, I'm, I'm of a generation where many of the people that I started to work for and many of the people actually in the rail industry today sort of got there by accident. Mm. Uh, the number of people I can, I can find um, uh, in, in my address book who sort of started on the, on, uh, in the transport industry on the railway because it was a job that they could get part, you know, as a short term and then, and then got into it. Now, actually, we've got a we've got a crisis in the railway industry in both operations and engineering everywhere you look, which is that they're, they're the, the, the average age and the, and the gender and, and ethnicity balance is not, is not good. Um, so there's massive opportunities and, and 
you know, why not take this opportunity of infusing a whole pile of people, young people, but also older people, in a in a in a in a in a career that actually is now un, unbeatable. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Nigel's heard this story before, but mm, Sue, my wife's parents, uh, uh, my, her father was a bank manager when when we were in our twenties. Working in a bank was an absolutely sure dunk for the rest of your life. You've got a career, you get, you know, very you know, cheap mortgage, you know, job forever. Working in a bank's nothing like that now. The interesting thing about the railway industry, and, and it's virtually unique now, is that actually there is a job. If you join at 21, there'll be a job for you for the whole of your working life if you want one. If you're prepared to move where you do it, what you do, uh, and, and get trained to do it, the pension's good, you know, so everything <clears throat> is there, except that somehow it, it doesn't look as attractive as it should. And somehow there's a, that we, we don't make as much of the great opportunities, you know, look at the, look at, look at um, ECTS on the East Coast main line, you know, a brand new signaling installation, you need modern people with technical mm. knowledge to do that. And they're just great opportunities. So um, that's a very long-winded and tedious way of saying STEM is absolutely part of this. Uh, I, I would like to think at the end of 2025, there's thousands and thousands of young people and not so young people who thought, ah, there's a career for me in the railway, and I'm and and I and I'd like to, you know, you know that's where I'd like to work. Fantastic, and, and, and hopefully, of... sorry, hopefully we can start that in the schools as well because. You know, my kids are doing STEM stuff at school now at an age that we never did. So, you know, getting them enthused about this and Rail 200, hopefully. Um, I, 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 part I, I, of that. Absolutely right. So, and, and to, to, for the avoidance of doubt, this is aimed at an audience well beyond either the traditional audience of railway enthusiasts or indeed the, the really sadly rather limited audience of people who use the railway. This is aimed mm. at people who live in the United Kingdom. Uh, and, and, you know, going to tell them a few things they didn't know about how, how useful the railway has been, what it's created, what it does now, and what it can do for them in the future. Brilliant. Absolutely right. They couldn't agree more, but how do we get that across to them? Um, there's, It is an exciting place to be, but the railway isn't seen like that. I mean, you, you've heard me say this many times. I still see the potential if somebody just gets the act together and gets the money together for a fantastic series of TV ads about working on the railway that's shot like the old RAF and Army recruitment films used to be. Um, the first 10 minutes of Top Gun was the best recruiting um, ad that the, the American Navy ever had, and we've got lots of tech on the railway. I can see in my head a whole series of really great ads that if young people saw them of a tech outlook, they'd, my God, I never thought of that. So, but there's always this gulf between how we make it happen, isn't there? So, 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 look, I, I think one of the, so, so the way we're thinking about this is, is that I see Railway Two Hundred as an umbrella. It's not going to be some centrally organised uh, um, event or series of events which are imposed on local and regional people. It's an umbrella under which a whole variety of organisations can can create things which are interesting for a much wider audience than we would than we would than we would otherwise get for the railway so um so on the heritage side obviously you'll you'll know now i'm the i'm the new chair of the heritage railway association i don't know how i got that job but i took it on because <laughs> they asked me 
There's 200 odd heritage railways in Britain. They could do with a boost post post COVID. They can use this as an umbrella to promote themselves and interest people in 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 the railway heritage of their local and regional area. But but quite separately, you can look at a whole wider group of um, of things that we do in Britain: local museums, uh, people like the National Trust. Um, We've got, uh, we, we're in dialogue with people like the National Archives, the Design Council, Visit Britain, um, National Gallery, the BBC, to promote the railway in, in any number of different ways. You know, I can't, I'm not supposed to talk about it, but, but, but the, you know, the coins in your pocket and the stamps on your, on your letters ought to have something to do with it, shouldn't they? That's what I think. Yeah. Um, and and by those means you get to a much wider group and richard mentioned schools and i want you know i'd like to think that every school within within hailing distance of a of a railway takes this opportunity of explaining to uh, the the right group of its kids what the railway's done for their the place that they live and what it what it's doing in in the future you know all that sort of stuff so and and that that's why it's an umbrella because we can't I, I can't organise from here. I don't want to. We don't have the money for it. We're, 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 we're putting the oil in the wheels to lubricate a whole variety of stuff happening happening around Britain. Um, we are going to do one thing, which I'm very keen on indeed, which is that we are in active uh, preparation for an exhibition train uh, to, to tour the railway to bring some of the past and the present and the future to places that otherwise wouldn't wouldn't see it uh, and that would have historical artifacts from the national railway museum and locomotion and other places it would have uh, hopefully a whole carriage devoted to stuff for kids for to encourage stem activities uh, sort of wonderland wonderland stuff that we get at the, at the uh, railway museum and then for everybody a bit of an explanation about how what the railway does now and then quite a lot about what it's going to look like in the future um and 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 that way i'd like to think that people from if it's not pen, literally penzance to wick it would certainly be penzance to i don't know aberdeen and inverness and places that wouldn't you wouldn't otherwise get access to a to a museum or or, or an institution that can cover that so so we're working hard hard at that um and and really some of this is about a call to action which is not for me to say how you should organize this i've got a i've got a really interesting actually i didn't get a letter i, I read a newspaper column from from uh, uh, uh the uh, the west cornwall uh weekly local paper from the local mp who said well in our in our area it's trevithic isn't it you know which is true i suppose it was trevithic it was a cornishman so I, I mentioned it in my speech last week, though actually the MP didn't turn up to hear it. Uh, but I've written back to him to say, well, I mentioned Trevithick. So if you want to curate something about Railway 200 round Trevithick in Redruth and Camborne, be our guest. You know, somebody can do that locally, can't they? The local museum yes. can do that. Local authority can do that. Uh, we can't do it. Uh, but that'd be fun, wouldn't it? That'd be great. It absolutely would. And you're pushing at an open door in many cases, Peter. You and Mark Kahn were on the same train that I was a few years ago, hauled by Flying Scotsman, um, where 
you arranged for it to go galloping through Doncaster rather than the slow oh, yeah. line, which yeah. which it had been booked for. The power of a phone call from the chairman en route on the train. If you... But what really struck everybody on that train was every bridge, every fence was full of people watching. And particularly at Newark, there's a school alongside the line there. Yeah, and the right. teachers at and the teachers had got all the kids out screaming and waving along the fence. So it's not as if there is a, a sort of hostile audience. People love it and genuinely want to be involved. So, well, we, as I you mean, say, a court... Yeah, we, we know that, don't we? Because actually, yeah. you know, one of, the, one of the serious reasons why I'm very keen on promoting Heritage Rail is because the only time we're ever going to get on the front page of a, of a, of a, of a broadsheet newspaper or in the media with a positive mention is when you get flying Scotsman or Tornado out and then they'll print a picture of it. So, and, and, and really some of this is to try to counter a bit of the relentless negativity that, you know, the railway, yes. the, the railway can always create for lazy journalists. Um, one of the things I would would like to say to you both is that actually this is, and also this is not to exclude what's going to go on in northeast England uh, in 2025. The the local and regional celebrations of the 200th anniversary of the Stockton and Darlington Railway are really important for them. Uh, we had a little bit of an industry launch last week, as I said, which was designed to expose it to a wider industry audience, not a not a media audience actually, but uh, I we got the uh, guy from Stockton Council who is uh, who is leading the uh, the local and regional celebrations because clearly it's really important that Stockton and Darlington and Children do celebrate this themselves. So this is not designed to detract from that; it's designed to give give, give a context to it, which enables the rest of the railway to 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 celebrate too. And of course, they're building a replica replica um, 1825 train aren't they which i believe has kind of got modern air brakes and all sorts so that that's an exciting that's going to be an exciting event on its own yes i've 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 heard that i'm leaving it to our people locally to decide whether 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 or not you can run this thing on the railway when you should do it and what the result will be but 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 yeah <laughs> you know what well, it's really important for them to celebrate it and indeed yeah. actually the northeast of england deserves a lot more tourism than it gets you know, one of the things that I know they're thinking about is not day trips to York and Shildon and Darlington, but but trying to create an agenda for people to spend a few days in the northeast of England, which yeah. is what you want. You know, national, local tourism has been hit by COVID, so actually, you, you you know, there's all sorts of stuff you can do. That, that actually, you can walk most of the line of the S&D that isn't still railway line. Um, you know, a, a guided walk with earphones telling you about Joseph Peace piece and, and, and the, how it was built in Stevenson would be a great thing, wouldn't it? Brilliant. And they actually built part of the East Coast Main Line. Certainly the local uh, activity, I think, is very important. Um, just as a, a question on that, that aspect, Peter, would you envisage running another cavalcade at, on the Shildon Line? That's happened in 1925 and 75. Is that part of the thinking so so i'm not thinking about that because what so principally because i think that i mean i mean those were well celebrated things but they happened simply over over one weekend and the number of people they actually got to is is really very small i i think locally there'll be plenty of stuff to do in stockton darlington and shildon to hold an audience there for for you know a visit of anything up to a, a week or longer um 
I'm sure there will be something special to be had over the weekend of the, of the at the end of September. Um, but what I didn't want to do, Nigel, is to devote a lot of railway energy to one yeah. short thing when actually in my head is, is a year in which we can go around and be proud of the place that has been created by the British Railway and to celebrate its national importance now and in the future. And of course, last time this happened, you didn't have locomotion at Shildon, which is a, a real focus for local railway activity in any case, yeah. isn't it? But but I've been very clear that I don't want to tell people locally what they should be yep. doing. I want to no. I want to lubricate them being able able to do it. I mean I you know it'll be a disappointment if on the weekend of the two hundredth anniversary there isn't something special going on between Shildon, Stockton, and Darlington, which will get on the national news. But I don't think that's 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 half of what this is all about. Yeah. They should make the most of it locally. Uh, they should celebrate the weekend. It should be celebration regionally, but it should be done nationally. You know, I, in my head at least, and uh, my people will kill me for it, I can see something on every railway station in Britain which which allows you to learn something about the, the impact of the railway locally. You know, but even if it's only a QR code, you know, so that if you visit Carvis Bay, it will tell you about the history of St. Ives branch line. It should tell you it was the last broad gauge branch line to be built in Britain. Uh, and it should tell you a bit about what it's done to the community, um, and and what it what it means now, and, and and that that that's the sort of thing, you know. Brilliant. That that's really good, Richard. Well, I I just think um, it, it is fantastic, and I'm convinced, and I know Nigel's convinced. So we're we're going to be um, plugging this as hard as we can, because um, I think you're absolutely right, Peter. Two, a two hundred year bicentenary and you don't come around very often um, <laughs> certainly these events don't so we will be making sure we do our bit um just sort of final question if we may um you are of course uh, the chair of network rail there are literally thousands of questions um we, we could <laughs> ask uh, a great deal to discuss but this was very much about rail 200 um would it be too cheeky to ask at some point you might um, be happy to come back on the show and maybe chat about some of the other issues facing the railway i know that would be an, an enormously popular feature if you could yeah no of course i will i mean i mean i think so two things to say one of which is Actually, we sort of did the launch of this for the industry because because mm. when people say what does this mean, I don't. I, it can't be me who answers that on my own. I want yeah. I want people in in all walks of life, up and down the country, to say. You know, we had a chap from the National Gallery there last week. You know, they've got endless uh, lovely paintings uh, in the, of the Victorian. You know, rain, steam, and speed. We were actually discussing, admittedly after a lot of alcohol, whether we could display. <laughs> Turner's rain, steam, and speed on Paddington Station. The original. Wouldn't that be brilliant? Sensational. Wow. <laughs> you know, wouldn't that be fantastic? To it? so, so that there's that. So, so we've done a sort of launch to people who ought to be thinking about this. This broadcast is the first sort of media thing that we've done, really, um, which I'm I'm very pleased with in a way. It's a bit unexpected to suddenly do it on a Monday morning, but hey, that's good. Um, <laughs> So, 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 so that's good. Um, on the wider stuff, well, look, actually, here's the here's the truth. The railway is 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 now in the in in the, in unprecedented, uh, uncharted, uncertain times, isn't it? It it yeah. really is. And um, so, railway two hundred has a bit of a resonance for this, which is that mm. actually 
celebrating the permanence of the railway and, the, and its continuing contribution to national life is an even better thing to do when feel, things feel a bit uncertain. And, and, and I've got a bit of a message, which is actually, the railway's been there before. If you think of every national crisis, you know, the First World War, the Second World War, the growth of the car, uh, the growth of, of car ownership, beaching, all, all of them. You know, yeah, you know, and, and, and more recently, COVID. The railways lived through all of that. And yeah. despite the fact that we all go around saying, oh, my God, it, you know, it's better than the old days. Actually, well, A, usually it wasn't when you think about it hard. And B, we've got to look forward and, and make something of the future. But I see I see Railway 200 as, as bringing back a bit of pride and a bit of and a, and a little bit of certainty in an uncertain world. Because actually, you know, whether you like it or not, the, the, the investments that have been made in the infrastructure and the, and the trains all last for far longer than any political uh, cycle. Uh, and the railway will be with us. And it was there when I was born, and it'll be there after I die. And in the meantime, we'd better look after it and make the best of it. And remind yeah. people why the railway is so important. It isn't yeah. just how it works. How it works is bloody complex, and it could work better than it does. But what it does is essential, isn't it? You know? Yeah. It's absolutely, absolutely essential. And, and you know, you couldn't have modern life without, without mass transit. That's the point. Here, here. And that's absolutely spot on. And to remind ourselves that we invented the railway and the railway created the modern world is, is a big statement, which everybody needs to be reminded of. We take it all a bit for granted, don't we? We, 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 we absolutely do, you know. But it's really interesting, isn't it? All of the po current political uncertainty, actually the one, thing that, the one thing that is ceaseless is the demands from politicians of all colours to invest more in better connectivity. It's really interesting, isn't it? Mm. Uh, whatever you think of the cancellation of parts of HS2, the fact that the that the, 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 the current government felt obliged to commit itself to re-spending all that money is really interesting because there'd be a lot of other things that you just said, oh, well, we saved the money, that will be lower taxes. But you can't do it with this because people are demanding all the time better connectivity. You know, you look at the restoring your railway stuff. I mean, I went through, uh, the department asked me to sit and go through all of the bids. There were well over 100 bids. There, there were, there, there were, there were people literally begging to have the railway connection that mm. they, that their town, city, or village used to have because they know what it does to be on the railway map. Look at Oakhampton, you know, just mm. go there, go there for the day and look at what's happening in Oakhampton. Suddenly, this sleepy uh, Devon town, which was bypassed by the A30 and the railway shut, suddenly there's house building all over the place. The place is full of tourists, you know. They, they, they knew that that's what they wanted and they've got it. And that and that's the power of being connected to the railway. And and it's a very, you know, from that point of view, it's very positive, isn't it? And actually, it is. even behind me in Waterloo, despite all of the post-COVID gloom and the uh, downturn in business traffic, actually, we just got a new pub. We've got a new, new uh, a, a Marks and Spencers have refitted their store. And the reason they've done it is because our station's full of people going places, you know, which is good for the economy and good for society. And at the other end of the extreme, look at the Elizabeth line and all the controversy for that for years. Now, it's barely been open. It's Britain's busiest railway and nobody can figure out how the heck we manage a bit without it, which is always the same with anything, isn't it? Jubilee line extension, borders, Oakhampton. Oh, absolutely. Uh, 
Ed- Edinburgh trams, wherever you put flange wheels of any kind back, um, within months it's done its first year's figures, and um, we all wondered how we ever managed without it. Yeah, well, I'm. I was uh, this time last week. I was with Hugh Merriman at Stratford uh, in East London because actually the consequence of uh, of the Olympics, the consequence of all the development there, the housing, the jobs which have been created now the Elizabeth line and guess what that station is full of people and is really under considerable pressure and needs some investment wow that's a story build, you know when build I was, it and they will come yeah when I was a, when I was you know 50 years ago when I was a young man I, I, I was still on the platform at Stratford low level going to North Woolwich a place I mean there's nobody there it's complete dump now it's heaving with people we've created a huge amount of extra economic activity through better connectivity that's what that's what the railway's about that's what that's a good reason for getting up and keeping positive isn't it it, abs- it is it's it, certainly a good reason for rail 200 so look well done for what you're doing peter i know you're typically sort of self-effacing about it but i know you've played a huge personal role in creating the whole momentum for, for rail 200 so well done for that um i hope you'll come back and update us from time to time on on what's happening um and we'll certainly be in touch about arranging a date to talk about the bigger railway in its own right um, fairly soon. I think you can count on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I've just been preparing for something I'm going to speak at. I was writing it last night, admittedly after several glasses of wine, and it comes to quite something when the most stable thing in the railway firmament is Network Rail's five-year CP7 settlement, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it is actually. Um, uh, 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 so we've got to do better than that. But actually, okay. y- y- you know, uh, let, I'll come back and talk about that. But let's let's Good. see what the right time to do that is. Brilliant. And what an up- and what an uplifting conversation, P- Peter. Handy. Absolutely, <laughs> thank you Absolutely. so much. Thanks yeah. so much for joining us, Peter, and especially as it was a, a pretty short notice. Mm. Uh, we are extremely grateful, and I am sure people will find it as fascinating as we have. And as inspiring as we have. Yes, Brilliant. yes, yes. You, you always make me feel better, Peter, when you and I have talked about trains. Usually, <laughs> usually, that's uh, unusual for a Monday, but no, I, I, you know, it's genuinely uplifting, this stuff, isn't it? You, yeah, it you, is. you, from, from the day-to-day difficulties of all the things we do, you have to stand back and say, what is, what's the railway for and what does it deliver? And without it, we w- we wouldn't we would be a lot poorer, yeah. uh, both 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 in money and and, and in, in 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 wider things. And intrinsically, people just like trains and railways, don't they? It's the only form of transport we'll stand on a bridge and wave at. You don't wave at buses or lorries or cars. Yeah, do people you? do <laughs> wave at buses. It depends <laughs> which one which one, which one you're driving. But uh, excellent, yeah, great good. stuff, Peter. Thank you so right. much. Thanks ever so much for joining us, Peter. We are really, really grateful. And uh, have a good rest of the day. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks, Peter. Bye-bye. Well, what about that? Great thinking as usual from uh, from Peter there. And uh, thanks to Lord Hendy for joining us today in a very, very busy diary. We are really grateful. We appreciate your kindness in finding time to talk to us. And you can be assured, Peter that here at Green Signals we'll be doing whatever we can to help out with Rail 200 and we hope to see you back here soon. Oh, I, I hope we do because he, he kind of promised, didn't he? And it, it, there's so much more we can talk to him about. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. In fact, maybe you ought to have a regular slot in each programme. I don't know. <laughs> We've launched, anyway, some news from us. We've launched some exciting new content over the past week or so. 
as well as the regular full episodes on YouTube. You can also find a growing number of YouTube shorts, um, which are not clothing. They're little clips of some of the best moments from each episode that Steph's uploaded so you can find them easily and share them with your friends if you like. Where we've done explanations in the programs for some complex stuff, um, we've created a little playlist for those on YouTube as well. So you can easily find things like Richard's expert, or might even say erudite, um, and lucid <laughs> explana- explanation, and that's the most sunshine I'm firing in your direction today. That's a whole lucid year's worth. Ex- <laughs> Lucid explanation of what a select committee is, um, or Andrew McNaughton explaining what causes cost es- escalation on projects, and that is really good. Yeah. So we'll keep building up a little bank of those um, those little explainers. So do keep checking back to see what there is there on our YouTube channel. We've also launched some new content on our blog. It was really strange for me after 28 years or so of writing comment pieces every 10 working days um, to pack that up at the end of September and not to be writing anything. So when the urge resurfaced, as it did, Um, I wrote an opinion piece on why HS2 Phase 2A must be saved. Having got that off my chest, you can find it on greensignals.org, where we'll be posting some more The World According To pieces from a number of top writers in addition to my own humble ramblings. And we now have a digital newsletter. Big news. So if you'd like some exclusive content from us, You'd might like to know when we publish anything new or all sorts of stuff. Go to greensignals.org and sign up for the new newsletter. You're going to like it. Um, We've got lots of exciting ideas, so you don't want to miss out, I promise you that. And that's about it for now. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow on your chosen podcast platform. We really do appreciate it. Uh, and please keep the comments coming. We we always enjoy them. And you had a comment about the comments, Richard, didn't you? That we're a bit overwhelmed at the minute. Oh, we were a bit, uh, but they're but they're brilliant. Um, they're really positive. Some some good challenges. Um, some great questions, and an awful lot of them. So apologies if we've not got back to absolutely everyone immediately. I was doing a load of YouTube ones last night. Um, but they're brilliant. So yes, please keep them coming. And some great ideas for shows as well, I've got to say. So they're they're also much appreciated. That's right. And I'm sure we all have this problem ourselves, personally, that you think, which channel was that on? Was it an email? Was it an SMS? Was it a Twitter DM? Was it on YouTube? But please keep them coming and we will reply to you. We, we, We like the chit chat and we'll always quote a few of them at the head of each program. Um, here's one more last bit of news. We've got a Christmas special coming. Yes, Christmas is on its way. Um, and we're going to do a bit of a Q&A. Um, so any questions you've got, send them in. You can ask us questions on anything. And I do say that with some trepidation. Um, but ask us what you like, and we'll see what we can come up with as an answer. And we will answer na- those live. We will, <laughs> on air, looking straight at the camera as I'm doing now. <laughs> So do get your questions in, but bye for now. We'll see you next Wednesday, and Richard and I will will return to talk about, I know not what yet, but it'd be good. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.